For this evening's meditation, we have Brother Edmund Reinhardt from Toronto, and he will be assisted by, by Brother Dan Tomek from Kitchener. Let's enter into the presence of the Lord together. Almighty God, creator and yet lover of our souls, we come as dry and parched, needing, needing the water brooks. Speak to us directly to each one of our hearts through thy spirit, that which we need. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn together to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. Appreciated the forum this morning that uh, Brother Richard had on the, on the heart. And I truly believe that at the heart of every problem is a problem in the heart. And he mentioned a number of, of verses all over the Bible which were stirring, and we won't have our time to meditate this evening, but let's read together from the book of Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God." And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest." Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, 
as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. This chapter begins with considering the high priest, the the apostle, meaning the sent one, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. I think you will notice in the sign that it says, Thou wilt revive me. We're not talking about just revival. We're not talking about ways to, to stir up our hearts and, and, and to achieve an emotional high. We're talking about the revival that comes through Christ alone. And it's in Christ, in Christ, that we have all these things. In Christ, that phrase is found 77 times in 76 verses in the New Testament. It's, it's so important because not only is our salvation in Christ, but it is in Christ that we can continue until be faithful until the end. We read here together that, that it was through Christ as a son of his house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence in that uh, it was that we are made partakers of Christ, sharing him if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast in the end, it, that it's in Christ. You see, just as the ark, if you think of the ark, that, that was the type of salvation, and, and that same ark that took the wrath of God, the wind, the waves, the rain, beating on it, the same wrath that wiped out all of civilization, every green and living thing, everything, that same wrath was poured out on the ark, but it because those were in the ark were saved. The same waters that, that destroyed lifted that ark to safety. And so it is as we are in the Lord Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross in, in love for you, my dear friend, and took the wrath of God that we deserved the scars that we heard about last night that we deserved. And it's as we hide ourselves in him that we're able to escape the wrath and be saved. But that act of entering the ark is an act of faith. It's an act of trust. And that's what I would like to talk about tonight because trust apparently in this passage doesn't end there. It's something we need to maintain to the end. You can imagine 
those that were outside the ark, they had to abandon their family, all that was known, terra firma. They had to abandon themselves to the ridicule of all the world and enter into the ark. It took an act of faith, not a passive faith, to be saved. It took a committing oneself to this frail wooden thing, even though it may have been large as I don't know how many football fields, it was still a piece of wood floating in a, in a mad rushing maelstrom of, of, of water. They had to commit themselves to it. And so we, to be saved, need to trust and commit ourselves and suffer ridicule and be willing to, uh, to leave it behind to begin a new life. And the invitation that was then sent out for 120 years, the invitation that has been sent out for the last 2,000 years is going out today. Today. If ye will hear his voice, as we heard this morning, Elijah's still small voice, not the wind and the fire, the earthquake, but a still small voice. A voice that doesn't impress you with its volume. But you know, you know in your heart of hearts, this is true. A friend of mine was sharing with me how he was lost in the world and under bad influence in, in a, a life marked by drugs and alcohol and rebellion, a life headed for destruction. But it was when he, he heard the truth, he just recognized this is true. It didn't take a powerful preacher. It didn't take some high-powered televangelist or, or, or glossy presentation. It was just this is true. And it took an acting on that to leave behind the, all the security of friends and the comfortable path, past he was familiar with to trust, to follow what was true. The same thing with another friend of mine who maybe is a doctorate of physics and understands all kinds of complicated things. But yet, when he heard the gospel, he has to say, you know, it just rings true in my heart. I know this is true. The plan of salvation as it's being presented. And so, when God speaks to you, my friend, and invites you, or you, my brother and sister, and asks you to leave behind some security, and asks you 
to go out and meet that need over there. And you have every excuse in the world, and you can say, but, but I can't, but what about him, and, and not now, and in the day that you hear the voice of God, harden not your hearts. That's why we need revival. It's because of hardened hearts, hearts that have heard the truth, and decided not to respond. That's the condemnation. That's all there is. It's not about how sinful or, or righteous a life you live. It's about responding to the Holy Spirit when it speaks to your heart. We can read in John 3, the condemnation is not the sin. The sin had condemned us all, but that Christ has come and man loved darkness rather than light. They saw the light. They were convicted by it, and they turned back. That's not to say you might not have questions. You might need to study like a Berean. He's open to come, let us reason together, but you need to respond. As we read in the previous chapter, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him. It's not about what you do. It's about your obedience, your heart response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve. Do not quench that Holy Spirit. Do not. It's so plain here as he spoke of the experience in the desert. When they saw the ten plagues, they were brought out of Egypt. They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw water coming out of rock. They saw, they saw manna every day provided for, sick, for, for a million people in the desert. They saw quail cover, cover them to give them food for a month. And they hardened their hearts. And that provoked God to anger. He understood that they were, they were slaves, they were weak, they were unorganized. But when he showed them again and again and again, and they chose to harden their hearts, that provoked him to anger. And that anger caused him to make a certain statement here that he swore in his wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren. So much for eternal security, so much for predestination. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God. Departing, you means you were there. You heard it. You responded. You accepted the plan of salvation. You partook of the goodness of God. You had that first love burning. Take heed that there doesn't set in a certain complacency. 
a certain self-sufficiency, a certain feeling that I know what's going on. I know what to expect. I've been around the block before. I've made it. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning and creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot, but because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Brothers and sisters, we need to stop and take inventory. Today was the day in our lessons we were going to stop and say, do we need a revival? What is the state of our heart? Is it tender-hearted as Josiah's was when the Word of God was discovered and, and read and he realized that he was transgressing God's law? He repented and tore his his garments, and, and, and sought God. Is our heart tender-hearted? Will we respond in that total abandonment, total trust that this is true and I can trust it? Or is our heart divided? Is there a division of what we trust in? As, as Jesus said about the rich young man who, who was also offered to come and to follow, though it cost him to leave everything behind, and, and he could not. He went away sorrowful. He wanted to follow Jesus. But to leave those riches behind, to leave all that security, and they, the, Jesus said, it's so difficult for those that are rich to enter the kingdom. And the disciples shook their head. And, and he, Jesus, seeing their misunderstanding, he, he clarified, said, how hard it is for those that trust in riches. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And Moses warned them, Beware, lest thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and judgments and statutes that I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, and thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, and so on, and thou say in thine heart, 
My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant that he swear unto thy father unto this day. He spoke in that chapter, Deuteronomy 8, that their hearts was, were proved when they were going through the desert. They were being tested, and many did not endure. But their hearts are proved by going through times of prosperity, as are our hearts, as we are blessed this day with peace, security, and prosperity. Our hearts are proved. They're tested. When it looks like it really won't matter if I follow the Lord's leading and go out and do that, my life's still going to be relatively comfortable. When it looks like I have some security to fall back on. I was reading an account that I just stumbled across on Saturday of, of what it was like, a mere generation, my father's generation, when they came here fleeing the, the, the uh, persecution in Yugoslavia with nothing, and as, as there was two families and a, there was a apartment, tiny apartment with a, one bedroom, one kitchen, and, and a mother expecting her third child, and, and they would take the next one in, and then the, the next one, you know, would sleep on the kitchen floor, and the next one after that, and, and, and they just, but they were happy, they were together, they, they would sing, there was joy in their hearts because they had, they had what we read here of the joy of Christ. Because we have, we have something so great, we need to beware lest it be masked and that we become complacent. The heart. We worry a lot, or we can discuss a lot about eternal security and sins that, se that separate and sins unto death. But what I read here in Scripture is that it's whether or not you have the love of the truth, whether or not when you hear and the Holy Spirit applies truth to your heart, you're willing to respond and trust Him. In the end, we read that in Thessalonians that the Antichrist will appear with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they may be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's whether or not you love the truth more than your comfort, more than your security, more than everything else. You love the truth that the Holy Spirit comes and applies to your heart. And that may mean leaving it behind. Are we willing to leave behind? As Abraham left behind and to go out not knowing, but knowing who had called him. 
And so our trust is no longer in what we have. It's no longer in our circumstances. It's in Christ. In Christ, who is our life. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. When he, Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, through whom alone we can come to the Father. When that is our trust, then we have a joy that no one can take away. Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoice in the hope firm unto the end. The Pharisees, they knew the Bible. Did you ever notice in Jesus' ministry how, how belief comes up again and again? And, and, and it, things seem to be conditioned on belief. He came back to his hometown of Nazareth and says he could not do many mighty works there because they did not believe. And yet, when and the people were healed, he said, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. But then there was a certain group of people who refused to believe. Those from Nazareth for one, but, but the Pharisees. And, and there was an account there in Matthew 12 where, where it does speak of, of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because they had just seen Jesus take a man who was possessed and cast out the demon and allow that man who, was, who, was, who was, could not speak, who was dumb, who, who was blind, deaf, and he, he, he freed that man. And it was dramatic, it was clear, it was power over, over spiritual things, it was a power to heal. And they said, and they made excuse. And they said, oh, that's because he's the prince of the devils. And he told them how illogical this argument was, that Satan couldn't be divided against Satan. And then he went on to tell them some more things. And they said, give us a sign that we might know that you're really the disciple. They had just seen it minutes earlier. And they said, give us a sign. And he said, there shall be no sign given the sign of the prophet Jonas, and then those of Nineveh will rise up and judge this name, and those of Sheba will come up and rise because one greater than Solomon. You will be judged. Why? Because of your heart of unbelief. Beware lest there be a heart of unbelief. And what does the heart of unbelief manifest itself as making excuses and, and making reasons why not? And you know they're not true, that he's the prince of the devils. Right. I'll do it tomorrow. Right. You know, I can't because I can't leave this situation, my job, or I can't go and serve you this way, Lord, because, right, you know better. Beware, lest the heart of unbelief should separate you from the influence of the Holy Spirit, that you should no longer be in Christ, wherein is all power, all riches, in heavenly places. And that you would be left trusting in what you chose to trust. You see, it's your choice. 
If you choose to trust riches, if you choose to trust your friends, if you choose to trust your comfortable circumstances, God will give you what you choose. But it's if you go the way of the cross that Christ went. That's why he's the way, the truth, and the life. And you trust him as he calls you out of this world and the spirit of this age. And you follow him and take up your cross. You will find joy for your soul. You will find peace. You will find purpose. You will find meaning. And you will find life because the truth will set you free.